0: All right, well, good morning, and happy Father's Day. We're going to get into some of that in just a little bit. Uh, I want to remind you about uh, our Kids Week coming up, uh, a.k.a. VBS, a.k.a. Children's Week, all those things. They're having that, so uh, if you need to volunteer, if you feel like you should and God has been talking to you, which he probably is because you were praying about it and wondering what you should be able to volunteer for, The Holy Spirit moved in your life, and you said, I should help out with Kids Week, Um, and so there's a sign up at the back, I believe, still, so please look at that, talk to Pastor Carolee about it, or you can contact the office, they will help you with that. I promise you it will change you, working with kids will change you, Uh, pouring into their lives will change you um, because of things like kids week or back in my day vacation, Bible school, I know I'm dating myself. Um, that was, uh, that was a big thing that spoke into my life as a child. And, uh, yeah. So it's something that uh, will change your life forever. So you don't know what these kids are going through and, uh, they need people there that just love on them and be cool. So, and have some fun, show them that, uh, it's good out there. It's not all bad, right? So think about it. You know, don't, don't let me talk you into it. Let the Holy Spirit and Jesus who died on the cross for you just hi, I don't know. It's up to you. I want to talk about fathers. And you know what? We, um, fathers get a, a weird, uh, pers- have a, people have a weird view of what fathers are. Now again, you know, let's, let's get this out of the way right out of the bat. You can be... A father figure. Okay, you don't have to be a, a father who's created children. Okay, you don't. That's that, that not necessarily. You can be a father figure. You can be a person, but but it doesn't take away the fact that somebody else wasn't able to. Doesn't mean that if you had that, that lessens that anymore. Okay, let's be clear on all of this. Whether it's mothers, whatever, it doesn't mean anyone's more or less. It just means it. When I talk about fathers, I think there are some fathers that have been father figures better than biological fathers and other ways around, okay? So let's get that out of the way and just be like, if you input into someone else's life, whether you're a father figure, a mother figure, an aunt figure, an uncle figure, a brother, sister, you know, we can go down the line. The point is, if you've input into someone's life in those ways, that's the definition of it. You've poured into it. Now, again... There, there, there are fathers that, that are good. There are fathers that are bad. There are fathers that are all in between, biological. And then there are those that are father figures that are same, good, bad, and everything in between. Same, same, okay? Um, so if you're pouring into someone's life, that's what counts, okay? That's what counts, and that's the most important thing. Society has given us a weird view of what fathers are. And mothers, but society in general is just strange, anyways, uh, the way society is and how we're to view things. And that's where we are. This is the time where we have been placed. And weird or not, strange, different, or whatever, here we are. And we have to figure out how to communicate a message of Jesus Christ through all that racket. Is that not frustrating or what? There's just so much going on in our world today, so much. But you know what? If you do any kind of historical-type research or if you do any reading, you'll know that it was pretty messed up in ancient times as well. Okay? So let's not think that we're so special that we're the weirdest group of people that have ever existed. There's some weird ones out there. And there, things are cyclical. In our personal lives, in the way we act, in our society, in our culture, it swings one way, and then it swings hard the other way, and then it comes in the middle, and it kind of floats there, and it gets weird again, and then it goes back, and it comes. Let's get that out there. That's what happens. Trust me. Historically, this is what humans are. We make massive mistakes, and then we do some good things and then we make more mistakes, and we do some good things within all those bad things. How many here are perfect? Oh, I'm looking. There's the thing. Just Gerald. But that's the point. No one is. And neither is our society, and neither is our culture. And to, to, to journey through this You know, there are times, have you ever said to yourself, man, I wish I was born in the 50s, or I wish I was born in the 20s, or the 30s, or the whatever, right? You wish, I wish I was born in Sparta. Like, what, there's a time that you really liked. Well, trust me, it wasn't as glamorous as you think it was. And so our society is a mess, and it always has been. So now that we know that, we can just realize that the message of Jesus Christ has to cut through all that noise. And you're here for that reason, that reason only. We all think, well, I'm here to do great things. Well, what is greatness? What is a great thing? Well, Jesus gives us a really cool example of what that is. And you will hate it. You will not like it. Because it's not what society and our culture has said greatness is. Everybody wants to be great. And we think that greatness comes with You know, being put in front of others and being, you know, highly lifted up. That's not to take away from that because some of that can be the definition of greatness. Something that's been done that's amazing and great. But there are many times that great things happen and you don't even know. There are many times you have done something great and you don't even realize what you've done. There are many times other people have done incredibly great things and you will never, ever know. Because our greatness definition is messed up. There's only one example of what greatness is and that's Jesus Christ. And his greatness led him to the cross. And nobody really wanted to deal with him. So they wanted to get rid of him. So I'm going to read this to you. You know, we've also realized that fathers have been given kind of a bad rap too nowadays. I don't know if you've watched anything on TV, but they always seem to be a little bit fumbly, kind of dense. They only watch sports, go sports. They only do certain things. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But they turn them into these kind of dumb whatever's that, you know, knuckle draggers that are just walking around and they can't make a decision for the life of them and they've exaggerated the fact that man needs his wife, man needs woman. They've exaggerated it to the extreme, but there's some truth in it and it's the other way as well. But society's given us this weird view of fathers and what a great father should be or what a great person should be and And society measures greatness by the size of your bank account, your influence that you yield, or accolades that you accumulate and how awesome, and the letters behind or in front or after or in between your name or however they do it. And so fathers, as well as all of us, are called to view greatness from a different perspective. And it's one that has a different type of priority. And Jesus' teaching in this, and we're going to look at it, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28, it's not up on the screen. Um, my guitar string broke, a whole bunch of other stuff happened, you know, and I didn't get my slides up. So that's how she goes today. Forgive me, you have to, you're Christians, Jesus said so. So, Matthew chapter 20, we're going old school. You're going to have to think and, and, and just pretend. Or if you have your Bibles, open them up. Or if you have one of these, Google it. You'll find it. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28, says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's, sons, of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. You, uh, can you drink? The cup I am going to drink. That's Jesus talking about his death on the cross. Now, nobody realizes this is going on. Okay? They think he's a great man, which he was, but that he's going to be a political leader, a political messiah. So they want to be elevated. Jesus said to them, "'You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father.'" When the ten heard about this, they were indignant uh, with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus just gave the definition of what it means to be great, and he said it means to serve, serve others. We could stop right there and just move, and then be like, have a great day, go serve people, be like Jesus, end of I have to. There's, there's time. I have to fill in it. No, I'm kidding. The point is this. We are celebrating people of influence today, and those are people that don't necessarily have the definition of what great is. They do things behind the scenes. We've talked on Mother's Day about how many times has your mother cooked meals for you, and do you remember every single one? No, you don't, That's greatness, coming to the table every day and there being a meal. Cleaning the house, that is greatness. We all do it, we all, every meal. I can't mention to you any meal, first of all, I don't remember if my dad even cooked. I think he knew how, but I don't remember. But I do remember my mother's cooking, but I also remember the one main thing I despised the most, which she would always give me on my birthday, thinking I loved it, and I didn't have the heart to say no. And it was a fruit... What was it? Black Forest cake. People are like, "Do you like that? I despise it. Hate it. And when she found out, she did find out I wasn't in love with it, she bought me this other cake. And it was some weird jelly fruit thing. And I despised that as well. And I couldn't tell her. There are many times she tried to do things for me that I didn't like. But I just went with it. And so we don't remember what our fathers or our mothers do for us, all of it. We just remember the things that maybe are more of a, you know, PTSD event of Black Forest cake, which, is, it's weird. Don't ask me why. It's just one of those things. But we, we forget that every day there were things I did like. <laughs> there were things that she did do. You know, and then, and then you always think, well, I'm going to do it differently when I'm older. But then we as parents make mistakes too. And I'm going to give you this great example. I'm going to use my son Brandon as an example. He's not here, so I'm allowed to. We get a phone call one day. He's over at a friend's house. And he goes, Mom, Dad, I don't know what to do. Now again, he's young. He's in elementary school. And we're like, oh, are you okay? Are you in a safe place? Like you're freaking out, right? You're a parent. And he goes, there's this thing at dinner. They're calling it chicken. And it has bones in it. And it's got this stuff all over it. How do I eat it? In all of my life, or in all his life up to that point, he thought chickens were boneless and skinless, and they were flopping around all over the ground. Now, he didn't. But he had never been given a drumstick in his entire life. And on top of that, he had never had shake and bake. Because I said, when I am a parent, my children will not eat chicken with bones in it, and they will not eat shake and bake. Because I had way too much of it, and I was sick of it. And I destroyed my child's brain by... We do this, and we think that we're doing better. You know, fathers, parents, mothers, all that, anyone, father figure, mother figure, we want our kids, the only people in the world, that we want to be better than us. We do. I want my kids to be better than me in all ways, in every way. And that's what we strive for. We want them. And, and what does that mean? It's different for everybody. It's different for each kid. It's all that. But we just want them in the end, you want them to be safe, but you want them to just love life and get out there and do stuff. That's what you want as a parent. But when you're younger and your parents are doing stuff for you, it's not, you're, I, I'm going to do it differently. And you know what? They should. They should. And they'll also think back, too, over time and go, oh, you know what I love? I love a phone call when you're like, you know what, mom, dad, you are right. <laughs> Yes. Yes. That's the best feeling in the world. Not because we're right, but because they found out. It's not about whether or not we're right. It's about that they realize something and they can grab onto that and then move forward. And so our idea of caring for our kids is is like all-encompassing. You know, the next time you sit down and eat a drumstick, you're going to be like there's a kid out there that has no idea there's bones attached to this meat. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't like to play with my food either anymore. I don't like to touch it. So that's why we don't do anything with bones in it. No bones. <laughs> but we celebrate people of influence that do things daily, regularly, that are not great in the eyes of the world. And when we looked at this scripture, Jesus said, I don't think you understand what greatness is. And so if we are to be great in the eyes of God, we need to look at it how Jesus views greatness. If we believe everything he said and we believe he's the son of God and he's the one who's communicating this, we need to realize that. And so the first thing we need to understand is we need to challenge our belief system, our perspective on what greatness is. We need to challenge it. You need to challenge your thoughts every day on what you think something is. Are you being influenced by the way culture is going? And again, I'm not anti-culture in all things, but what I'm saying is there's one person who's given us some clear definitions of what it is to be great. And if we don't look at that, we're gonna fall into the path of just going the way of the culture, and the culture will steer you wrong. They can steer you wrong. In this particular passage this morning, this incredible mother wants her sons to be in a position of greatness. You've got to understand the biblical narrative. You've got to understand the culture. We are North American and we're Western, you know, if you count in, you know, the British and all that. We're, we're Western views. And, and what it is is, We think individualistically. We don't think in a collective group. Why do you think when people come from other cultures that are collectively thinking, why is it you think that they struggle with how we deal with things and we struggle with how they deal with things? Okay. So an example would be someone comes from uh, another country. They're here. they're living at home with their parents, and their parents are heavily involved in their life, heavily involved, and they can't make certain decisions without parents being involved in it, and they believe that collective way of thinking is very family-oriented. You'll see it in every single biblical story. There is a patriarch who oversees a group of people, and that person is in charge of the well-being of everyone. And there's, there's a give and take. And they, the thing is that patriarch takes care of that family and there's some expectations. And you're like, what? Expectations? No. I'm my own person. That's not how they looked at things. They were a collective because the patriarch, the head of the household. And when we say household, we're talking massive Not just five, six people. We're talking huge amounts of people, all the way down, cousins possibly. And then anything can go after that. That person takes care of them. And there is a, I take care of you, so I have say in your life. We've lost that view. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not saying one's bad. What I'm saying is that mindset has changed. And we don't understand that culture. Because we're individualistic. It's about my feelings and how I feel, right? That's ripped through our school system. It's ripped through everything. It's about how I feel. Well, there is a time for there to be strings attached. And you're like, what? Why? Why do you think that? Because you're an individualistic type person. You've been raised that way. And that's, I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying you have. That's what's happened. All throughout the Eastern cultures, it's collective. Here, we're individualistic. And it's about me. Or my very small, small group. But there might be a time when we need to come to the realization that a balance of those two is okay. There is a time when it's okay to have strings attached to something, it's okay. Leverage, whatever. It's about the heart. It's about this. It's not about power. It's about heart. Back in those days, too, there were contracts. "You do this for me, I do this for you." I, I, and, and there's expectations. And, and our perspective has changed because we're an individualistic society. Is it wrong? Not necessarily? Is it better? Not necessarily? But we need to start changing our perspective. And it's okay about progress. It's fine. That's totally cool. We, we can move forward and we can be, be individuals. Um, but I think there needs to be a, you need to be an individualistic co- collective where, where we care about everyone, but we also have a good view of ourselves, a healthy view of ourselves. And so start looking at your perspective on how life is and what life is about. See, Jesus responds to their question, um, responds to their, sorry, their request by questioning their understanding of greatness and what it means. He asks them if they can even drink from the cup that he is going to drink from, and that's referring to the cross. And we know they can't, but they don't think that. They think the mom is saying, If I can get them in a position of greatness with him, we'll be taken care of. That's what the collectives think. Care for everyone. So if we put him in, you know, we we look at Joseph and uh, what his brothers did to him and all that. You know, in the story of Joseph where he comes up and says, I'm so great, and you guys are going to be bowing down to me? In an individualistic society, um, that's bad enough. But in a collective group, he was the younger one telling the older ones, you will bow to me (laughs) in my dream. See, what he probably should have done is not even talked about his dream. But God knowing him, he did, and that's his path. But the brothers were going, well, then who's going to, like, you're going to take care of the family? That's what they were thinking. They weren't thinking because he thought he was so great. It was a thing of position. The oldest is the one who does that, and then they take care. That's the viewpoint. So when we start looking at these stories in Scripture from a collective cultural mindset, you start to understand that the people in Scripture, in Old Testament, and then as we move into the New Testament, are still thinking collective. They're still thinking collective. But it's about... So, the, so the, those brothers and the mother were thinking I, power, authority, position in order to take care of each other. And then when you're in that position, you'll never have to worry about your family, an extended family, being taken care of. Because again, there's a patriarch. There's someone who looks over everything. But with that, there are expectations for each person within that collective. And that's not a bad thing. We've gotten rid of that. Because individualistic society is all about me. I want you to do stuff for me and I may or may not do something for you. It depends on how I feel that day or it depends on how I am. Right? There's no. We don't want strings. We don't like strings attached to anything. But unfortunately, that's the way life is. And so Jesus reveals that True greatness is not divine, defined by power. It's not defined by authority. But it's, a, it's defined by humble service. You see, the men of today need to redefine what greatness means. And only then can we start to change. And, and I challenge the women as well. Redefine your idea of what greatness is. Society will glorify achievements, and they are good. Status, those are fine. But true greatness lies in self-sacrifice to your family and, as Jesus said, to others. And so I hope, as we continue in our journey of faith, that we will start changing our perspective on what greatness means. The second thing we need to do is we need to lead with a servant's heart. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're going to mess up. Because, again, we, we've been raised in a, in a society that says we want to be served, not to serve. It goes against the culture. Yeah, we'll give back, but we want to be served, individualistic. Jesus says to those that are indignant about the response He says, look at the leadership style of the Gentile, rulers who exercise authority over others. Look at them. Jesus says, this should not be the way of his followers. It shouldn't. Instead, he calls them to a different kind of leadership, a leadership that serves others. This is not new. It's not mind-blowing. But it's needed for a time when uh, things have gotten a little out of hand. And so we want to lead with a servant heart. As we are called to be servant leaders with our family, may we lead with love and grace and humility. We need to be emotionally and physically attentive and, to, and spiritually attentive to the needs of our, of our families. We need to serve as an example of compassion and of selflessness and create an environment where we can build up our members and our family. The third and final thing is we need to be Christ-like. Uh, the ultimate example of servant leadership is Jesus Christ. He gave us the definition. He told us what he wants it to be like. Um, he didn't come to be served but to serve. That's why at this church, we emphasize serving. It's not because we're like, well, you became a Christian, so you know, you gotta love everybody, and how do you do that? You do it by serving, so you might as well go serve and go do something. It's not, it's not, it's not like do something, like a eh, figure something out, yeah, you do whatever. It's an act of what Jesus has asked us to do, to serve not because we're trying to get more money out of you, not because of any other reason that you can think of that society will say, oh, they just want free labor. Well, technically that's what it is. service. You're serving. But in our society, we think, well, no, we want to be served. We don't want to serve others. And our church is very good at serving that, don't get me wrong. But sometimes in our lives, we can be, I don't know, clouded by the way culture has told us how we're supposed to be and what greatness is supposed to be like. Jesus sacrificed so much and served so well, he gave his life for you and for me. And people will say, "Wow, well, we don't even know if he was a real figure in history. And we all know that as time goes on, people forget. You can't trust your memory. You can't trust that people are going to remember everything, all the good things. Remember, the only thing I can remember is black forest cake. We don't have good memories of the past. And that's, what, 40 days? Well, I mean, you know, whatever, I'm 50 now, but you know, that small amount of time, 50 years of my life, that's it. And that's one thing that sticks out quite strongly. I don't remember all the real good ones. I do remember this weird noodle casserole thing I wasn't into, but I don't know what that was. You don't remember all the good stuff where you're like, that was amazing, that was a great meal. You don't. We can't even remember that. So how are we going to remember history 2,000 years ago? We're not. And we're not going to do it well. We're going to do it poorly. And so when people say, well, you know, we don't even know. and uh, It's like, yeah, you know, you don't know. You don't remember a lot of things. But guess what? There's some people that wrote some stuff down. And we can actually read it about that history. This is why I say, no matter what the history is like in our world, no matter what's going on, good or horrible, we can't forget it. We need to remember it. Because we will repeat it. And you've heard this a thousand times. We're already forgetting about what happened during the pandemic. Some people are bringing more stuff up anyways. But the point is we're, we're, we forget some stuff. And you know what I remember? I remember a lot of you, all of you here, stepping up. That's what I remember. I'm not too worried about the details of, you know, remember when you had to line up and step on a dot? <laughs> Nobody knew what this thing was doing, so we're like, we're going we're gonna to throw the book at this thing. We're going to throw everything we got at it, cause just in case it kills us all, right? We did. We look back now and we go, some of it might have been an overreaction, some of it was, some of it wasn't, but I bet you if we did nothing and it was a bad outcome, we'd be toast, right? Everybody like, you didn't even take it seriously. You can't win. But we forget about all the things that happened, and it's 2023. This was only a few years ago, my friends. And now we're on airplanes, people are sneezing and snotting on you, no one cares, no one cares. I went, I went to an event in Vancouver a few weeks, well, not a few weeks ago, it was a month or two ago. And it was disgusting. People everywhere, wall to wall, bumping into you. I'm like, oh, we're getting sick from this. And what did I get? I got COVID again for like a fourth time. So I'm telling you, we forget. People don't care anymore. And it's fine. Whatever. Some people wear a mask. You see the odd person wearing a mask and you're like, cool. I got no problem with that. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You don't want to, you don't. But don't snot on me, please, for the love of God. Don't. But this is what happens with us. We forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Whatever it is, don't forget. We need to be servants. We need to be serving others. We need to love on our family. We need to love on others. Father's Day is a call to servant leadership. It's not it's not some goofball on TV who's acting like you know whatever, it's not that. It's not a call to be that. It's not a call to sit around and do nothing. It's a call to servant leadership. And you know, what a world it would be if everybody served each other. If everyone served each other, needs would be taken care of. But because we're individualistic society, it creates some problems. I hope That as you leave today, you will look from a different perspective of what greatness is. You will look with a servant heart um, that is the example of Jesus Christ to you for how to be a great leader, for how to be a great servant, for how to be a great Christian. We're called to be servants. And so by doing this type of leadership, we not only honor the roles that we play in our families, but we contribute to the growth and to the well-being of others. And that's the key. There's a collective where we're helping. And if we continue to do that back and forth, it'll grow. Don't be fooled by what the world's ideas are and what greatness is. You know better. You know better. Because it's in the Bible, and I just told you, so you have no excuse anymore, servant. It's too late. God will hold you accountable. Better deal with it. Unity happens when we come together. Unity happens in the middle, not on the extreme right, not on the extreme left. Unity within the church, servanthood type unity, happens in the middle. Right smack in the middle. I want to encourage you to value people. Value them where they are, not where you think they should be and not where you are. Value them where they are right now, right there. That's a little bit tougher. Why? Because we have expectations of what other people are supposed to be like. Value them where they are. Start there. Start there. And you have to believe that because God made them they're valuable and until we realize that we're going to struggle we're going to struggle with servant type leadership jesus served those that the society thought were not valuable and he said everyone is so let's be that as we go out into the real world as i like to call it when you walk out those doors value people where they are Be a servant and be the leader that God wants you to be, not what society wants you to be. And in that, if you become great, if you have great influence, that's awesome. Be a servant. And if no one knows what you're doing, don't feel like you're not doing something. We have people in this church that do so many things that you wouldn't know they're doing it. That's greatness because they serve. Not because we need free labor. Not because we just want to extort you out of your time and money. But because God asked us to serve. And in a collective, that's what we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone here. Pray that as we leave these doors that we will realize that we have servant hearts. That we will um, be like Jesus was. That example of being a servant. And so as we move forward, help us to do that. Help us be great uh, in the definition that you've given us in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you fathers, father figures, whatever. Whatever the categories are. I'm exhausted with the categories. Get some chips. Get some pop. They're for you. And have fun. Happy Father's Day, and we will see you next Sunday. <laughs>